Good morning, Glad Tidings family. How are you today? If you're sitting next to someone right now, would you turn to them, look them in the eyes, and ask them, "How are you really?" And it's important to add the pause in the middle of that sentence. So whoever is next to you, whether it's your father or your mother, or your sibling or your child, could you turn to them and ask them, "How are you really?" And for the rest of you who are tuning in right now, we would love to hear from you as well in the YouTube chat. Can you type an emoji that best describes how you feel this morning? I hope that each and every one of you are keeping safe and well, able to experience the goodness and faithfulness of God in your daily journey. I pray that the Spirit of God has been speaking to you this season, bringing fresh perspective into how He wants to move in your life. In the midst of whatever trials that you are facing right now, the title of my sermon today is "The Valley I Did Not Choose." And to begin, let me ask you something: Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you suddenly stopped and asked, "What am I doing here?" It's an unsettling feeling where you feel completely out of place, with a deep sense of unfamiliarity with where you find yourself. And I remember many years ago when my oldest daughter was maybe four years old. We were getting ready to board a plane, and they made an announcement for us to line up. And my daughter wasn't paying attention, and she ended up following another man who was wearing the same type of khaki shorts that I was wearing. Don't worry, my wife and I were watching her the whole time. But as we watched, she stands next to this man, and then she leans on his leg. And then she proceeds to wrap her arms around his leg, and my wife and I are chuckling away at this point. The man looks down in surprise, taps her on the shoulder, and points back to us, much further back in the line. And you could just see the expression on my daughter's face as she looked up in utter horror at this unfamiliar face. Slowly untangles her arms from his leg. And runs to us at the speed of light to bury her face in my shoulder, hiding away from the world because she had found herself in a place she did not expect to be in. Poor girl. But funny stories aside, it can really be so challenging and painful when in our lives we find ourselves in valleys we did not choose, and in the middle of that valley when things look darkest and most hopeless. We often ask ourselves, "What am I doing here? How did I get here? Did I take a wrong turn somewhere? I don't think I signed up for this." And in this season, some of us have faced battles that no one else knows about. Some of us are barely holding on in our marriages, in our families, in our jobs, in our financial situations, in our businesses. Some of us are facing sickness, either in our own bodies or in our loved ones. And we never expected to face it, and maybe our closest friends, or sometimes even our spouses, don't even know how much pain that we're facing right now. Can I assure you today that whatever people don't see, God sees with absolute clarity, understands with absolute context, and cares with absolute compassion. If you believe this today, can you type a loud "Amen" in the chat? Research has shown that there are five main phases of how we respond to crisis, and in this global pandemic, all of us has had to cope with massive shifts in the reality around us. 
The first phase is impact. It's when we deal with the initial impact of facing an unprecedented crisis, and the focus here is on survival and staying afloat. The second phase is the heroic phase, and it's this phase where we work harder to pick up the pieces around us, to even help those around us. And in this phase, we saw a global trend where those who work from home put in far greater hours, far greater energy than before COVID started. The third phase is called disillusionment. And at this stage, people finally begin to feel the deeper emotional impact and trauma of the crisis, especially when it's an extended one like the pandemic we're facing. They begin to question whether what they do really makes a difference. And there's this growing sense of disconnection and disillusionment. And we see the community at large trying to go back to business as usual, and it can cause us to feel a sense of abandonment and being stuck as though the world is moving on without us. The fourth phase is the rebuilding phase, where individuals have a better understanding of what the new reality means, what the new changes mean, and they can reinstitute a sense of normality in their daily routines with new routines that work. And they're still dealing with the grief and losses of the previous season. The final phase is called wiser living. And this is pretty self-explanatory. You've made your mistakes, you've grieved your losses, and you've established a new framework for daily life that you are at peace with in the new normal. And most of us are in the spectrum between disillusionment and rebuilding at this point of time. And as I was praying on what to share today, I felt God impressing on my heart to share about healing from disillusionment. I believe that God wants to heal many of us today from the hurts, the fears, and grief that we've experienced in the midst of this valley that we did not choose, that we would have never chosen if we had the choice. And this healing is for a very specific purpose. It's so that you can enter into the rebuilding phase with strength, with confidence, and with wholeness, because we don't want to be building our lives on a shaky foundation of ungrieved losses and unresolved bitterness. Can you type in that famous phrase right now in the chat? Get better, not bitter. And I'll be preaching today from Psalm 23. I know this passage is so familiar to many of you, but in its familiarity, let us remember that it's not just a cliched passage. It's a divine and living word of God. God-inspired truth that speaks into what it means to be found trusting God and content in Him, no matter what season and situation we find ourselves in. And Psalm 23 is so important to me because it was the very first Bible passage that my father asked me to memorize as a child, and it has formed such important foundations to my faith and my perception of God. My dad would only get me to memorize verses in Old King James, I'm not sure why, but it was his favorite version, and he would carry this huge old leather-bound, large print, annotated reference Bible everywhere that he went. He still uses this Bible up till today for his devotions. So let me recite this passage to you in my familiar, in my loved Old King James Version this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. 
He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen and amen. May God bless the reading of his word. This psalm has been a source of incredible comfort to my soul because through every difficult, unpredictable season that my family went through, I would pray the psalm that my own father had introduced to me over my heart, over my circumstance, over my situation. And I remember times when our family's plans and future were completely turned upside down. There were seasons we couldn't even predict which country we would be in. There was one schooling year that I was in three different schools in three different countries in the same year. And there was even a time when we had to physically escape from the threat of death because we were in a very volatile and dangerous Indonesia during the Asian financial crisis of 1998. And each and every time it would be this psalm that I would declare and pray from the bottom of my heart. And that's the beautiful thing about psalms. The rest of the Bible is God's word speaking to us. But the psalms has an added dimension to it. It is also God's word speaking for us. Other books focus on what God wants to speak to us. But Psalms also teaches us how to speak to God, how to come to God with our hearts laid bare, how to come to God with honesty and vulnerability and authenticity. When we can't find the words sometimes, sometimes Psalms will find the words for us. And so in this way, Psalms 23 for my life not only speaks about green pastures, it is one of green, uh, God's green pastures that He leads me to every time I need to learn to trust Him, to be content, to be reminded of His faithfulness, I come back to this passage. Can you type this in the chat right now? Green pastures. And I hope that you can catch my heart as I share from this passage that is so important and precious to me today. Because I believe that God wants to teach our hearts on how to better navigate this season. If you've been fearful this season, if you've been disillusioned and feeling like the world seems to be moving on without you, God wants to touch you and heal you today. I want to share three simple points from this psalm that will position us to let the Good Shepherd lead us through this valley with healing and wholeness. Amen. The first point I want to talk about is that we need to encounter a personal God and to know Him personally. A God who desires to be in intimate relationship with each and every one of us. Can you type in the chat right now, encounter God? There's a big difference between knowing God and knowing about God. If you read Psalms 23, you will see that David refers to God in the third person for the first three verses. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads, he guides, he restores. Then halfway through, the narrative dramatically shifts. 
In verse 4, right when the psalmist describes walking through the valley of the shadow of death, there is a profound shift. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you see how powerful this is? It takes a personal relationship with the Good Shepherd for us to get through the stormy valleys of life. You can hear about God in sermons. You can learn about Him through the testimonies of other people. But all that cannot substitute having a personal relationship with Jesus and hearing Him speak directly into your heart that no one else can. I want to show you something. This is a movie ticket stub that um, we kept from over 20 years ago. And to be honest, it wasn't a, a great movie, but it was a great day for me because it was my very first date with Sarah, who is now my wife. We were in Wanatama at that time. There was only the old wing and the only cinema around was Tanjung Golden Village. I don't know if any of you remember those days, but that was the day when Sarah moved from she to you. We had seen each other from a distance in church, in cell group. We had spent time in a group setting before, and I knew a lot about her. I talked to her friends to know more about her likes, her dislikes, and from everyone I spoke to, I knew that this was a special girl. Someone who was so patient and compassionate, who was always ready to listen if you were going through a challenging time. Someone who would never judge you. And the more I found out about her, the more captivated I was about her. Every time she would walk into the room or the hall, I would feel that she would literally glow and my heart would leap with joy. Of course, I wouldn't show it because I, I know how to play it cool. But I remember a friend telling me one day, you like Sarah, right? Your eyes light up every time she walks into the room. But let me tell you, all that happiness could not compare to the point when we finally had a personal conversation with each other over dinner. We began to hear each other's thoughts and feelings and heart. Let me tell you, when you know a lot about someone, it can feel like you're very close to them. This is why some people today can follow a celebrity on social media like a K-pop star or a K-drama star and take note of what they eat, their schedule, their hobbies, their activities. And they would share to me that they feel closer to this celebrity than even their closest friends. But this is an illusion. Nothing replaces genuine relationship. And I honestly think that Sarah was a godsend to me in that season. I won't go into details, but I was dealing with some very deep-rooted issues during that time. She was there with me, she listened to me, and she did not judge my heart or my journey. It was such a healing process for me because it was at a time when I was having suicidal thoughts. It was a very dark season, and this friendship that I had with her helped me to get through one of the darkest valleys of my life. She even brought me to a discipleship camp, which was where I came to a full breakthrough and in my healing with God. Knowing about Sarah, admiring her from a distance, didn't get me through that season. It was a personal relationship with her that helped me to get through. So my question today to, for you is, 
Are you ready to move from a third-person relationship with God to a first-person, personal, intimate relationship with Him? Because a second-hand faith cannot carry you through a first-hand season of brokenness. We need God to step in and counter us and walk with us. The second point that I want to share on is that we need to trust the leading of the Good Shepherd. Please type this in the chat. Trust God's leading. When we read this psalm, sometimes we fail to notice that the sheep are being led by the shepherd every step of the way. This is not one of those narratives where the sheep strays, runs away from the protection of the flock only for the shepherd to find and rescue them. No, if you read this passage, every part is under the leading of the shepherd. This means that he intentionally leads the sheep into the valley of the shadow of death. And the question we have to ask then is, why? Why would a good shepherd lead his sheep into a dangerous, dark valley? And the only reasonable answer would be that he wants to bring the sheep to a better place that requires passage through this valley. It is a necessary route for the sheep to take to get to something better. And you can see that the sheep cannot see where they are being brought through. All they can see is the darkness. But at the same time, close by, what they can see is the shepherd with his rod and his staff, guiding them, protecting them. And that is enough for them because they trust completely in the shepherd. So there are two things to remember here. Firstly, when you don't understand the purpose for a season, keep your eyes on the shepherd. And secondly, trust that when you come through that valley, the good shepherd will lead you to a place of greater destiny and purpose. And this reminds me of a story I read in an article a long time ago, when an old lady was lying on her deathbed with a terminal illness. When the pastor came over to discuss her final wishes, she told him which songs she wanted sung, what scriptures to read, which outfit she wanted to wear. And then uh, she said, one more thing. I want to be buried with a fork in my hand, a dessert fork. The pastor was surprised and the woman explained, in all my years of attending dinners and social functions, my favorite memory would be when the main dishes were being cleared away, someone would lean over and say, keep your fork. And my heart would be filled with happiness because I would know that a delicious dessert was on its way. So when people see me in the casket with a fork in my hand and ask why, I want you to tell them, keep your fork because the best is yet to come. Can you type that in the chat right now? The best is yet to come. Sometimes we fall into thinking that the best days have already passed, that they're over. And let me tell you, the devil wants you to believe that your greatest days are behind you. But I want to speak this over you today in faith. Your greatest days are ahead of you. Your most fulfilling and promise-filled days are yet to pass. The best is yet to come. Can I get an amen to that? And the better things that are coming for us are just a taste of the goodness that God has in store for us in eternity. Because even when we come to the end of our lives, when we're ready to meet Jesus in heaven, we can know that the very best, the very best part is just around the corner. Amen. 
The third point that I want to share on is something that God had to deal with my heart and give fresh revelation for. It deals with this question. What does it mean to be truly at peace when you're surrounded by enemies and surrounded by chaos? And I realized that for many years, I had focused on the wrong thing in this verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I had approached it with my personal need for vindication and validation. And in my active imagination, it was like, wow, God, you would have your people dine in front of those who seek to take their lives? Let those enemies look in while I enjoy my food. Let them see that I have the approval of the sovereign Lord. Let them smell the delicious food, but not be able to enjoy it because God is on my side. And God had to set me straight. One night as I was meditating on this verse, I felt God whisper to my heart, can you truly be at peace while your heart still carries spite for your enemies? And this question hit me like a dagger to my heart. Can I really say that I've come through healing while I still want to show off my wholeness and approval from God in the faces of those who had sought to harm me? And I heard the Spirit of God drop something into my heart that night. The whole point of this verse is peace, deep, genuine peace that only I can give you. Because if you think about the imagery, how can God prepare a banquet for you if there is fear about the enemies around you waiting to strike you down? How can he carefully set the table for a bountiful, multi-course feast when you're still on guard against danger? And if you've gone to a Chinese wedding dinner, you would know what I mean. And it was a long time ago since we've gone, right? You can't be in a rush or be looking around for enemies because at 10 o'clock at night, there's still at least three or four more courses to go. And God would only lay out that delicious, elaborate feast if he knew that it was in a place of absolute safety and peace. And this is the peace that only the presence of God brings. A peace that is not rooted in circumstances, but peace that is found in the very presence of Jesus. In Isaiah, it says, He is the Prince of Peace. In Hebrew, the words are Sar Shalom. The fact that God has invited you to sit at His table means that at that table, you can find complete assurance, complete peace and security there. Can you type in the chat right now, Sa Shalom. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Today, I know that many of us cannot relate to what it means to be surrounded by enemies who seek to take our lives. But maybe we can understand a little about what it feels to be surrounded by chaos that causes deep anxiety and fears. Or even face attacks that try to tear us down emotionally, try to tear us down spiritually and tear us down in our physical health. Maybe you're in a workplace where it feels like you have to struggle for survival, and you may even have to watch out for the attacks of your colleagues. Maybe you're in a home where the season has been filled with so much conflict in the relationships found within, and you just feel like escaping from it. And even with this pandemic, it can feel so chaotic every time we walk out of the home, wondering whether we'll be exposed to the virus keeping a large distance from those who walk past, hear, feeling our heart jump every time we hear anyone cough or sneeze around us, 
What is clear is that we cannot and should not live in fear because that is not how God designed our lives to be. Fear is not of God. Type that in right now. Fear is not of God. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Our hearts are not meant to be gripped by fear. Instead, Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. And what does an abundant life look like? It is a life that is filled with God's goodness and mercy that follows after us all the days of our life. It is a life where we can dwell in the manifest presence of God in His courts for all of eternity. And this is the promise that we find in Psalm 23, verse 6. For me, it looks a little bit like this. This is my youngest daughter, Alison's Chow Chow, the smelly pillow that brings her so much comfort and security every day and every night. And somehow when she has this pillow, she feels so safe. She has a good sleep at night. She feels completely at peace. And this is what the presence of God can bring into your home, no matter the chaos and fears that lie outside. And in this season, God has given me a conviction to build a home that is filled with His presence and His values so that it will be a home that feels safer and more loving than it's ever felt before. A home where those found within can sleep well, without worries, without anxiety, where there's a deep trust and love found in our daily conversations, a dining table that's filled with loud, boisterous laughter, and a family altar that is filled with gratitude and recognition that God's presence and hand is upon our lives every day. Would you invite Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace, to dwell in your home today? And I hope that the simple visual props that I use today can help you to remember the three things that we are to apply for this season. The ticket stub reminding us to have a personal relationship with our Good Shepherd and to know Him personally. The dessert fork, where we trust that He is leading us to a place of greater purpose and destiny, that He will lead us out of this valley to that better place. And the chow chow, where we are to receive the supernatural peace that is only found in the presence of God, that only the Prince of Peace can give us. As I wrap up this morning, I believe that God wants to heal us from the disillusionment and hurt that we've experienced this season. There are some losses and grief we've gone through that we have not had a chance to fully sink in, let alone heal from. Are you in a valley you did not choose today? The psalmist David often found himself in valleys he did not choose. He delivered food to, the, to his brothers on the front lines of battle, but then found himself fighting Goliath. He was a humble shepherd boy in the fields who was suddenly anointed to be king. And even when he served his country and sacrificed so much, he was in such physical danger because of King Saul's jealousy. His own king wanted to kill him. 
No matter what valley you are found in today, I want to remind you that God is your good shepherd. He is present and will be the one who leads you through as your guide, your comfort and your protector. He will lead you all the way through to the other side. And I believe that God wants to do a powerful work of healing in you today. For some of us, He wants to make us whole so that we can rebuild the season with strength, with resilience and joy to arrive at a place of wiser living. And for some of us, He wants to meet with you as that good shepherd to bring salvation, to bring the gift of eternal life. Because even beyond physical and emotional healing, the greatest miracle is salvation. Maybe you've tuned in today and you've never encountered this God that I'm talking about before. And as I've shared, you felt His Spirit touching you and nudging your heart. And you don't want to just hear about Him, but you want to know Him personally. Can I invite you to take a moment to respond to God this morning? He wants to bring you to a place where even in the midst of the challenges and chaos, you can have complete peace. He desires to give you a life and a life in fullness. If this is the God that you want to meet today, would you repeat this prayer after me right now? Dear God, thank you for giving your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. I'm sorry for all the wrongs that I have done. And I open my heart to you right now to receive your forgiveness, to receive your new life that is found in Jesus. Be my shepherd and teach me how to hear and follow your voice. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And for those who need a healing touch this morning, I would like to pray over you as well. Would you place your hands over the place that needs healing? If it's healing from fear, put your hands over your heart. If it's healing from, from anxiety and depression, would you put your hands over your head right now? I'm going to release this prayer in faith. Let us pray. God, you are our Jehovah Rapha, our divine healer, our great physician. This morning, I declare and speak wholeness and healing in the name of Jesus. Let every disease, infirmity, and sickness be gone in the mighty name of Jesus. Let every pain, discomfort, and symptom symptom be gone from everyone who is praying for healing today holy spirit we invite you in restore and bring complete recovery right now to every cell every organ every bone and marrow every heart fill and flood our homes with your sweet and glorious presence and may a covering of your protection peace and love surround every household and every life right now in Jesus' name, amen. If you have responded to the prayer of salvation or healing, I would like to encourage you to click on the link in the chat. The pastors are ready to minister to you and pray for you personally in our Zoom prayer room. Thank you so much for joining us at our celebration service today. Have a blessed Sunday ahead.